Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this Why? a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. All right, so thank you for tuning in to Chopping Up the Bit. This is episode 43. This episode, we're going to take a look back at week nine in the NFL. You know, I'm going to go over big observations I made from watching the games, as well as, of course, by the end of the episode, review my week nine picks, see how well I did. Um, also go over some NFL news and notes as, you know, they did make some news today off the field. Go over that. And then, of course, in the episode, we'll look ahead to the episodes of the week that are coming up. But first, just want to say, now this is mainly for, you know, my Boston fans out there. But if you didn't hear the news, you know, Tommy Heinsohn, Celtics legend and announcer that we've all come to love. He died today at 86. And, you know, just want to talk about that for a couple minutes. But, you know, if you're like me, a Celtics fan, and even though I'm in Atlanta, I still watch all the games online or whatever, or when they're on national TV. And even on national TV, I will try to find the Celtics broadcast because Tommy Heinsohn has become a big part of Celtics basketball, you know, ever since he played, he coached, you know, all that, but... You know, it's a sad day for the Celtics franchise. Um, you know, he was seen as kind of a homer. You know, he was a color analyst. Most color analysts are kind of homers for their team. You know, Heinsohn was lived and died with the Celtics. He, you know, as much as he was called a homer, he could be critical at times. I do give him that. Um, you know, he was very passionate on the airwaves. You know, always going at announcer. I mean, at referees, Tony Brothers, uh, what's his name? But yeah, he just made him and Mike Gorman. I think are the best local NBA color commentary team in the NBA. You know, it's gonna be sad not being able to listen to him this upcoming season. Um, my guess is they'll probably have. Uh, Scalabrini fill in for him. I don't know. You know, nothing's official yet, but that's just my guess. But definitely just wanted to say, you know, rest in peace, Tommy Heinsohn, and thoughts and prayers go out to the Celtics family as well as his family with this, this surprise passing. I mean, last year he did have some health issues come up, but the NBA definitely lost a great one today so i just wanted to say that before i did get started so tommy heinson you will be missed but i guess moving on to uh nfl news so the nfl and the players association today 
they agreed that if the season is cut short anyway because of you know the ongoing pandemic with you know rising cases again then they've already they're already expanding the playoffs this year from 12 to 14 teams but they agreed that they are willing to expand it from 14 to 16 teams for this year uh i guess to well i mean we all know why that is if you are cut short in the regular season then you're losing out on revenue that way and with some of the with more stadiums now allowing fans in they are you know starting to recoup some of the revenue they lost earlier in the season so if the season is cut short by adding in you know one more AFC and one more NFC playoff team then playoff money hopefully by then you know stadiums can maybe have a little more fans but it's another way to recoup the money that they've lost in this crazy season so 14 to 16 teams they did not lay out like how much of this how many games need to be cut before the playoffs do expand to 16 well i guess we'll have to wait for that later on i mean the nfl is still going ahead hoping that they get all 16 games in within the 17 week schedule so they just put this provision in there as a safety measure you know i guess a doomsday type measure but the plan is to go 16 games with the 14 team playoff and then just go from there and then also they agreed i guess this might be a little controversial i don't know but it was last year where they brought up the idea of you know we need to increase minority hirings within the nfl And it was thrown out there that, you know, they might start rewarding teams for hiring minority uh, head coaches as well as GMs. When it was first announced, it was it came about with some backlash because they thought it was I think a lot of the analysts and stuff thought it was kind of a kind of a joke move, forcing teams and then. They're worried that, you know, some coaches and GMs may not, you know, get jobs only because of this, you know, just to for the team to get rewarded for it and not really be given a chance to succeed, which I guess is still an issue because what's going to stop a team from hiring a minority coach to then fire them after a year just to gain the reward. But they, you know, shelved it for a little bit, but they went back to it in these talks and they decided that they will award teams two third round compensatory picks so if you don't know a compensatory pick is usually a pick that you get when you you know like trade players away or you lose free agents depending on the value of the player that you lose in free agency or in the offseason mainly you get a compensatory pick. And I believe the third round is the first round where compensatory picks do happen. So now this is another way for teams to gain compensatory picks. And it's for hiring minorities. And it's not like you don't get it for hiring like an assistant coach or something. It has to be your head coach or your GM. Because currently there are 
four head coaches and two GMs that are minorities. And in this measure, the NFL is trying to increase that number, which is a good thing. But like I said, hopefully, you know, these minority coaches and GMs are given real shots with these teams. And it's not something where teams are looking just to take advantage of the short-term reward but aren't looking long run with these minority hires. So we'll have to wait and see on this one. There is a lot of good that could come out of this, but hopefully on the NFL side, this was a you know good gesture to lead to something bigger with more minorities in you know high positions of head coach and GM. So that kind of takes care of the news and notes of the day for the NFL. So we'll go ahead, take a look at week nine in terms of on the field. And from watching the games, highlights and all that, there were three things that did jump out at me from this past week. First one was with the Dolphins. So you remember, they were three and three uh, heading into their bye week. The Dolphins made the decision to, you know, bench Ryan Fitzpatrick, bring in Tua, which I did say in the beginning of the season that I was expecting to see Tua at some point this year. I just wondered how long would Miami wait? Well, turns out they waited for the week before their bye to get Tua some action, gave him the bye week to practice, and now it's starting to pay off. They are 2-0 with Tua starting. No, last week they beat the Rams, but it was more of a simplified game plan. They didn't really expose Tua too much. Well, all bets are off now because they let Tua be Tua. He looked like Alabama Tua against the Cardinals in what was a great game. You know, the Dolphins did pull it out 34-31, and they've approved to 5-3. and three. They are alive in the playoff race. And there's a lot of excitement going on down there in Miami with, you know, Tua giving, you know, bringing a nice, youthful energy to the team. And, you know, the team is really starting to think playoffs at this point. I mean, you're five and three. So you've gotten through half your schedule. You got another half to go. And so right now they are sitting believe they are a wild card team right now yeah so right now the Dolphins would be the seventh final playoff team which you know coming into this year a lot of people thought the Dolphins were a year maybe two away so if they if they are able to sneak into the playoffs even if it is the seventh seed that's definitely a big win for them moving forward and then just looking at their the rest of their schedule, like I said, they're five and three now. And there's no reason why they won't be favorites in probably five out of their eight. So it's possible the Dolphins could end up being ten and six. And you know, if they get to ten and six, they're definitely gonna be in the playoff. Now the only thing you have to say is, you know, Tua is still a rookie, so you know, he is bound to have, you know, a stinker here and there. So maybe one of these games that they should win, maybe they end up losing. But yeah, just the schedule, it's 
They have Chargers, winnable. Broncos, winnable. The Jets, of course, winnable. Bengals, winnable. They have one against the Chiefs. Now, depending on where the Chiefs are, the Chiefs have shown the ability to relax a little bit. The Dolphins could easily take advantage there. Um, There's Patriots. That's winnable. Let's be honest. They are the Raiders. Winnable. Finish with the Bills. Once again, if the Bills... You know, have the division locked up and they're kind of locked into a playoff seed. Maybe that's a game where they rest some players. So it's not out of the realm of possibility that the Dolphins legitimately go 10-6 and six this year. Surprise everyone and make the playoffs. But back to Sunday. Um, like I said, they opened up the playbook. They let Tua work. Tua went 20 for 28, 248 yards, two touchdowns. He didn't throw a pick. Big, That's big. And then he also ran with the ball seven times for 35 yards. And he had a QBR of 87.8. Now, QBR is on a scale of 1 to 100. Your average performance gets you a 50. So basically, an 88, you're above average. That's, that's a great day. So definitely something to look at. If the Dolphins can keep this momentum and strive on to the playoffs. Second observation was the Steelers. Now, coming into Sunday's matchup with the with the Cowboys, the Steelers were a heavy favorite. I believe they were a 10.5 point favorite in that game. You know, Dallas, with no Andy Dalton, he's fighting an illness. Ben DiNucci, who was the backup to Dalton, was benched. They turned to Garrett Gilbert, who was making his first start of the year. And you know what? He did well for his first start going against a Steelers defense that was, you know, one of the best in the league. Steelers defense are very aggressive, like blitzing a lot. And Garrett Gilbert, I got to say, he held his own. He went 21 for 38, 243 yards. He did have a, he had a touchdown and an interception. But you know what? He did, he wasn't turning the ball over all over the place. So because of that, and because the Cowboys defense was able to hold the Steelers to field goals early, and they did block a couple of kicks, I believe. The Cowboys actually went into the half up 13-9. But the Steelers, being the better team, you know, came out in the second half, outscored Dallas 15-6, which led to the 24-19 win for the Steelers. Uh, Big Ben, you know, went 29 for 42, 306 through the air. Three touchdowns, no interceptions, 75.4 QBR. But... I I don't know. I feel like I'm still not sold on the Steelers. You know, like just looking at it right now, if you ask me to make a prediction, I don't think the Steelers are the favorite to come out of the AFC. Something tells me that they, they are, they're setting this up to be maybe the one, probably the two seed in the 
AFC. And for some reason, I see them going out early in the playoffs. I'm not sold on Big Ben. You know, Big Ben has had... Big Ben was good early on in his career, but he's gone through a long stretch in the middle towards the end of his... Well, towards present time where he has underperformed, had injury issues. And I just think that that Ben is going to come out at some point. Right now, you know, they're 8-0. Last undefeated team, but I feel like come playoff time, the Steelers are going to be right there for the picking for one of the lower seeds to possibly take out in the first round. But if they get the, you know, if they get the one seed, they get the bye. So whenever their first game is, depending on matchups now, of course, I could see a lower seeded team knocking them off in the playoffs. And then, side note, uh, Big Ben is one of four Steelers who was placed on the COVID-19 list as his neighbor in the locker room, Vance McDonald, tested positive. So, of course, Big Ben, based off of proximity, has been placed on the list. And, you know, he and McDonald are pretty good friends, which is why their lockers are near each other. So precautionary reasons he's been put on the list we'll have to see what his status is for the Steelers next game so definitely something to watch leading into the week to this upcoming weekend if any news changes there definitely let you know but uh, on to third observation now this is about a team that I've been talking about a lot a team that I said was probably the best in the NFC, but now starting to come back to the pack, definitely. But is there a cause for for concern in the Pacific Northwest, the Seattle Seahawks? So the Seahawks played the Bills, and Russell Wilson had a tough day. He turned the ball over four times. Now, never a good thing for your quarterback to be the reason for all of your turnovers. He had two interceptions, and he also had two fumbles, which he lost, and the Bills were able to recover. But, you know, as I did predict, when we looked, when we previewed week nine, because the weather in Buffalo was so nice, I said that this game could very easily turn into a shootout. And ultimately, that's exactly what the game um, became. Why? Why? If you have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. How powerful is Cox Internet? So powerful that one day, your daughter will be able to simulate a soccer match against some of the world's best players right from your backyard. Get gig speeds powered by fiber from Cox. It's internet built for tomorrow, today. Internet delivered through Cox's hybrid fiber coax network. Speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms and other restrictions apply. 
as the Bills were able to win 44 to 34. Uh, so yeah, so Russell Wilson, 28 for 41, 390 yards, two touchdowns, two interceptions. And remember, both of their top running backs were hurt. They had to bring, so they had their third string running back who became the starter. He was ineffective. And then his backup was a guy who they elevated from the practice squad. He was ineffective. So basically, offensively, it turned into Russell, go out there and make a play for us. And you know what? They gave it a good effort. You know, DK Metcalf continues to just, you know, his reign of terror on cornerbacks and safeties in the league. He went over 100 yards, had a touchdown. And, you know, that's a pretty good day for Russell Wilson, even with the two interceptions. But he was outperformed by Josh Allen. Josh Allen went 31 for 38, 415 through the air three touchdowns no interceptions which highlights what's been an issue for the Seahawks all year their secondary play you know they they are giving up big yardage to a lot of quarterbacks all year they kind of like they I mean they lack the ability to really turn teams over with interceptions you know their big acquisition in the offseason was Jamal Adams but Jamal Adams is more of a in the box you know, stop the run, put pressure on quarterbacks type of secondary player. He's not one to really cover wide receivers and tight ends like that. So, and it actually showed in this game because the Bills running the ball wasn't effective at all either. You know, Zach Moss had a great day on the ground against the Patriots last week, but he did literally nothing in this game. So it turned into literally Josh Allen versus Russell Wilson and Josh Allen just outperformed him. But even with Seattle scoring 34 points, the Bills defense did create a lot of havoc, you know, two interceptions, two fumbles they they caused and recovered. They also had five sacks on Russell Wilson. So the defense did do something. The Seahawks did have seven sacks of their own, but it wasn't enough as Josh Allen and the Bills move to 7-2. They keep their game-and-a-half lead in the AFC East. And, you know, they're when the season started, everybody was looking to see who was the team that was going to take over that division with Brady gone and with the Patriots, you know, seemingly being in transition. And most people did say Buffalo. And now it's kind of looking like Buffalo is starting to I guess have its way with the division. Although, like I just said, the Dolphins are definitely going to make it tough on them. And, you know, New England is sitting at three and five. We'll have to see there if anything can be done. But being three and a half out for New England, you could kind of knock them out of the division race at least. So right now it's down to the Dolphins and the Bills. And the Bills, you know, they've had their ups and downs in this season. They've been very inconsistent. But 7-2 is 7-2. And And they're another team that the back half of their schedule, there's some winnable games there. Um, So I think it's going to come down to the last couple of weeks. Because, you know, the Bills, 
schedule going forward is a little tougher than Miami's. So maybe there's a way in there for Miami to make up that game and a half lead that the Bills have in. You know, crazier things have happened. This is sports 2020. All, All bets are out the window. Anything that you think can happen is bound to happen. Which is why I wouldn't completely write off the Patriots because who knows? For all we know, Patriots go on a run, you know, win their last eight games and win the division. It'd be crazy, but like I said, 2020, expect the unexpected. So those are the observations I made from week nine. No, there were there were some other great games in there, but those three I guess storylines really stood out to me. And just to I guess tie in the sea, the Seahawks story, just to put a bow on that one. The Seahawks now, by losing that, have you know created a real crunch in the NFC playoff race right now. So the Seahawks all this time had a game, game and a half lead for the one seed. But now after the past few weeks they now have the same record as the Packers and the Saints and Tampa Bay is six and three look so those other teams are six and two Tampa Bay is right there at six and three so now the one seed is now a race of four teams and even behind those teams you have the Cardinals Rams five and three the Bears are still there five and four so Hopefully this isn't a game that comes back and bites Seattle in the end. Because Seattle definitely wants that home field advantage. Because we know the NFL is not going to go to a bubble system. At least right now, they're not. So. Yeah. I mean, like I said, Seahawks were my pick in the NFC. So this definitely hurts. Because... Looking at, you know, Tampa Bay, Saints, Green Bay, they all have great home field advantages as well. And it would be tough for Seattle to have to go there in an NFC championship or second round, whatever. But yeah, so like as of right now, the Seahawks are the number two seed based off of the tiebreaker with the Saints. So... Definitely a race in the NFC playoff picture to watch going into the second half. But, um, but yeah, so that's the wrap up of week nine in terms of observations. So now to the part of the show where we go ahead, take a look at my picks, see how well I did, see if I could, you know, erase the last couple of weeks where I went two and four last week. I was 3-3 three and three the week before, which is no good. I've dipped below 500 at 23-24. and 24, So, I did say before, when I made my picks, I felt a 4-2 and two week coming. I would hope for, I mean, I wouldn't be mad at a 5-1 and one or perfect week, but I'm shooting for 4-2. and two, So, let's go ahead and get started with those picks. And... Once again, if you're new or just need a reminder, I always do the Thursday night game, Sunday night game, Monday night game, Falcons game, Patriots game, and then a wild card game. 
just to make six. So I always do six picks a week. So to get it started, Thursday night was Green Bay, San Francisco. Uh, Green Bay was the favorite in that matchup, two and a half point favorite. I took Green Bay to cover, and Green Bay did more than cover. They won 34 to 17. So that counts as a win. I'm sorry, wrong button. So that's a win. Uh, so 1 0 to start. Then, second game was the Falcons game where Falcons took on the Broncos. The Falcons were the three and a half point favorite in that matchup. One I was a little iffy about, I went with the Falcons in that one. And, you know, it, it looked like an easy win early on. Denver did make a little comeback, but. Falcons ultimately won the game 34-27, which counts as another win. So, 2-0 on the week. Then, the third game I picked was the Baltimore and Indy game. Baltimore went into that game as the favorite, two-and-a-half point favorite. I took Baltimore to cover, and they did as they won 24-10. So, Lamar Jackson was able to figure out that Colts defense, make enough plays to get the two touchdown win. So that's another win. 3 and 0. Fourth game, uh the Raiders and the Chargers. So in this one I actually took the underdog in this one. The Raiders are a one and a half point underdog. I picked them to cover and win and they pulled it out for me. They won 31 to 26. So Right now, 4-0 for the week. So, worst I can do is 4-2. Already having a good week. And in that one, you know, Justin Herbert with the Chargers. Yeah, they're 2-6 right now. But Herbert has definitely played well. And going forward will be great. That's going to be an actual interesting race coming down to the end. The Offensive Rookie of the Year between Herbert and Burrow. Even Chase Claypool from Pittsburgh, you could put his name in there because he's come on and become the new number one receiver in Seattle. I mean, in Pittsburgh. So, but yeah, didn't have enough to beat the Raiders. Now, game number five. I did the Saints-Buccaneers game. So, this one. I went with the Buccaneers. The Buccaneers were the four and a half point favorite. And if you watch that game Sunday night, it turned into an absolute just bloodbath. Saints won it 38 to three. So that's my first loss on the week. And that's actually the game I felt probably the most confident about. Because I thought Antonio Brown and Tom Brady, come on. Saints, Drew Brees has been struggling. I thought it was a no-brainer. Clearly, I was wrong. And as I've said the past couple of weeks, I might have to start changing the way I'm looking at the Saints. I'm not completely on the Saints bandwagon yet, but I'm moving more towards the positive on them. So they demolished the Buccaneers, take over the lead in the NFC South. So, yeah. 4-1 right now, down to my final game, which was the Patriots and the Jets game. Probably the most unlikely Monday night football game on the schedule as Patriots came in, 2-5. Jets, 0-8, only winless team in the league. 
and it turned out to be a much better game than the Sunday night game. And and I was ready to come onto this on this podcast this episode. I was ready to knock Cam Newton to just I don't know, cast him aside to write his obituary, whatever you wanted to put it as. I was ready to do that. But Cam kind of showed something in that game. They went into the game as a seven and a half point favorite. I did take the Patriots in that game. I knew seven and a half was a little high, but I thought with as crazy as this year's gone, I could see the Patriots somehow covering, you know, winning by like eight or something. Well, Joe Flacco and the Jets showed out well. The Patriots did win 30 to 27, but they did not cover. So that was a loss for me. So I finished the week four and two. But, well, yeah, just quickly with Cam. So here's the maddening thing with Cam, you know, his mechanics still get him in trouble. But against that Jets team, they were down in the fourth quarter, down by 10. You know, he led them on a touchdown drive where he ran the ball in for a second touchdown of the day. They were down three. They forced the interception for Joe Flacco, which was kind of weird. After they had tied it up, you know, no, Flacco threw the interception, which led to them tying it up with a field goal, all at 27. Then the defense stepped up, you know, made the Jets go three and out. Cam Newton led them on a drive with like a minute 35 on the clock. They had all three timeouts, so he wasn't that rushed, but he made some big throws, made couple plays with his legs Jacoby Myers has turned into a you know NFL wide receiver for that team and he got the win so his status as starter lasts another week so like I said I finished four and two just to recap I got Green Bay over San Francisco right Falcons over the Broncos right Baltimore over the Colts right Raiders over the Chargers right and then I got Buccaneers over the Saints wrong Patriots over the Jets wrong 4-2 I'll take that that will move me up to 27 and 26 I'm back over 500 isn't it ironic that the two games I lose had Patriot ties Patriots old quarterback Tom Brady couldn't get it done Tampa Bay and the new quarterback, Cam Newton, couldn't give me the cover. I was that close to going 6-0. and But I'll take 4-2. and We'll ride this wave and try to do better next week. But if you listen to my picks, they would have been winners for you. You would have made some money. So just saying. But, um, but yeah, that will do it for the Week 9 recap. You know, looking ahead to the next episode. Uh, for all my NBA fans out there, the draft is one week from tomorrow. Yes, the 18th. So I'm going to start taking a look at some of the top prospects in the draft. I'm going to start with LaMelo Ball as he's seen as possibly the number one pick. So I figure why not start there? I'm going to do a breakdown of 
I guess his skill set. Come up with a comparison for him. See if he's worthy of the number one pick. Maybe give like a little outlook on where his career could go. You know, ceiling, floor, all that. But um, but yeah, I'm gonna definitely start draft coverage next episode. Probably take probably take the beginning of each episode leading up to the draft. Look at a prospect or two that should go high in the draft. See if they're worth it or not. See how good this draft could actually turn out to be, you know, for your teams out there. But um, but yeah, should have some fun with that. It'll be it'll be good to get ready for the draft. See what my Celtics do. Or for those of you listening, if you want to, you know, drop a message in the Facebook page or at Chompin Podcast on Twitter, you let me know kind of what your team is maybe i could work in what your team should be looking for and who they should probably target in the draft so definitely do that but um if you're new to the show hope you liked what you heard in this episode and you know come out for some more so like i said it's 43 you can go back and check out some the past 42 episodes uh the podcast is on all major platforms for podcasts. So wherever you listen to podcasts, just look up Chomping at the Bit. You'll find me there. As I said, you know, go to Twitter at Chomping Podcasts. Follow the show there. Uh, you can go to my YouTube page, Kyle Edwards. The episodes are there as well. So if you're new, if you've been here before, wherever you are listening, please hit the subscribe button. It would help out a lot. And yeah, so thanks for tuning in. You know, be safe out there. Once again, rest in peace, Tommy Heinsohn, and thoughts and prayers to Celtics family, NBA family as well. So yeah, thank you, and I'll definitely catch you the next episode. All right. This episode is made possible by PwC. When you put the right tech in the hands of the right people, good things happen. It powers change. It accelerates innovation. It keeps you a step ahead. Our community of solvers brings the right tech to drive real results. It all adds up to the new equation. Learn more at thenewequation.com.